Blog Talk Radio. friend, Reverend Sharon McCain, and I'd like to welcome listeners to Sacred Sunday. Sacred Sunday was created just to focus on the tenant that Sunday is a special day to set aside some time for spiritual focus, meditation, and prayer. All faiths are welcome. I'm a Christian in recovery, and all Bible readings will be out of the Ryrie Study Bible, but you may use any Bible you wish, of course. I've had many spiritual experiences, and in gratitude, we just had ongoing Bible readings every Sunday morning. 
11 a.m. most of the time. And uh, I'm just focused on being my real self and carrying the message given to me and reading the Bible. That's it. No axe to grind, nothing else. So anyway, uh, the call-in number today is 619-924-9744. And Sacred Sunday does air every Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. The opening music was by Salvi Vocal Group from the CD Native Angels, and I do love this tape so much. And if you want to order a copy, contact Save, S-A-V-A-E, dot org. And they're on Facebook, and they do live shows, and I also found them on YouTube, so you can listen for free. And they also have a CD on Amazon. They have lots of really good music and unusual. Um, Let's just do our opening prayer right now as we all bow our heads and thank the Lord for our life. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to thank you for being here this morning, and uh, we wish you well in everything you do, and that you have very prosperous, and, you know, that your health has returned, and you find love in your heart, and bear with grace all the turmoil that you have in your life, and what's going on in the world, and remember there's more good than bad, and just focus on the good, and use your positive self-talk and prayers, and know that God loves you very much, and Jesus loves you, and Everything's going to be okay no matter what happens. And we also pray for all the Christians being persecuted worldwide and their lives and their freedom to worship and are in jeopardy. And those whose lives are taken for distorted and evil reasons. And we believe they've become martyrs. We pray for all those suffering from violence from here and abroad. And we pray for those who are sick in mind and body and those who are lonely and uncomforted. God, forgive us our sins. We pray for those suffering from domestic violence here in their own homes and freedom from addiction from all kinds. Please, God, send your mighty Archangel Michael to fight against evil and protect them and all your angels to watch over everyone. Our prayers also go out to those who suffer in the world, including the animals that can't speak for themselves. And we also pray for the wisdom of our president and the rest of the policymakers. They have many decisions to make, and we're praying for all countries for problems of suffering all over the world. We want to thank you, God, for everything you have given us, and thank you, God, for some of those things you've taken away. And we ask Jesus to bless us and help us grow under his care, and also remember that he is our strength, our heart, and our mind, and our spirit. And remember that we we also depend on Jesus to teach us how to grow in his way. And we have everybody in their families in our prayers at all times, and we ask in Jesus' name for us to find the happiness and the purpose in our lives. And then we pray for all those lost to drug addiction and that they come in again to, to some kind of help and rehab and um, just every kind of thing like that, God. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I wanted to say happy birthday to all the birthday people this morning, whoever you are. And uh, we wish you a very happy and prosperous year ahead and that your big, big birthday wishes come true. And if you want me to celebrate any kind of anniversary or anything on here or birthday or special announcements, all you have to do is let me know. Just give me a message here. 
And then, you know, we've been reading straight through the New Testament, and we're now in Hebrews 4 this morning. And um, it's just just been a blessing to me uh, how much I've been learning as I'm reading and going along with you. And uh, we'll just start reading now. So uh, the title of this uh, a summary of Chapter 4 is called Take a Little Rest. Okay, here goes. All that stuff in numbers really happened a long time ago. It doesn't mean anything for the Christian in this book is addressed to, right? Wrong. Anyone who's faithful can still get the good stuff that God promised to the Israelites. And if they listened to him, they would have been able to stroll into the promised land and enter God's rest. What does that mean? We're glad you asked. Basically, the author of Hebrews thinks the ancient Israelites were unfaithful to God. They knew what he wanted them to do, but they decided they'd rather be doing other things, like sinning. That's why they couldn't make it to the promised land to rest and relax. Even though the Jewish people settled in for a little while, a long time ago. Well, even though they had some issues in the past, you know, I pray for, um, as I'm reading this summary, I just wanted to pray for the unity for all of us and that we all come to Jesus and come to God the same way. Anyway, I'll just and then God's still offering a chance for his people to enter into his rest today. Well, remember back in Genesis, on the seventh day, God rested. That was Genesis 2-3. Well, the author thinks that this kind of rest is the, that the faithful should be aiming for. After God created the entire world, he entered into a peaceful state of calm and relaxation. He wasn't shaping men out of clay or gluing with wings on birds. He was just being him. And that's the kind of rest Christians should be looking looking for through Jesus, says Hebrews, and the ability to just sit and be with God. And if you want to make it to this restful place, it continues, you got to keep the faith. If you don't, God will know, and it's pretty tough to hide anything from him. And why? Because He, his word is alive and working in the world. It's sharp, too, sharper than even a two-edged sword, and it can cut through you like butter. But it's not all judgment and sword slashing. There's Jesus, too. Remember, since Jesus became human, he knows how everyone struggles with this whole thing, sin thing. Sure, he didn't ever sin himself, but he knows it's tough and he totally sympathizes. So in conclusion, if you're in need of grace and mercy, you know that those whose throne you should be heading over to so we head on over to Jesus and God and uh, stick with him, and it's going to be all right. So now let's everybody get out your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to read straight from the good word itself. Chapter 4. Therefore, let us fear if, while a promise remains in entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have some sort of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard was not to profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, he, it, for he was said somewhere concerning the seventh day, that God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them, 
fail to enter because of disobedience. And again, he fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And for the one who has entered his rest to himself, also rested from his works as God did from his. And it's the cure for unbelief is the next part. 11. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall. Though following the same example of disobedience, for the word of God is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, and the piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both the joints and the marrow, and able to judge the hearts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So be aware of that. No matter how we try to hard or fake it, God knows everything about you anyway. So therefore, since we have had a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's what it's all about. That's where we find our grace and help. So now let's read the notes. Okay, so we read the notes, and Ryrie has a lot of great notes. Um, 4.1, although God has promised believers today that they may enter his rest, some may fail to experience it because of their unbelief. And it says only believers enter into salvation rest. And after the work of creation was finished, God rested. For example, he enjoyed a sense of satisfaction and repose that comes with the completion of a task. It is in this sense that the rest is used in verses 1 and 3. And then verses 4, uh, 5 through 9. The divine promise still holds good. The believer may enter into God's rest through faith. This is true of both salvation and sanctification. Rest in the Christian life comes through complete reliance on God's promises and full surrender to his will. And the word in verse 9 indicates that just as God ceased from his creative activity on the seventh day, so believers should cease from working for their salvation and self-reliance and sanctification. Or this Sabbath rest may look forward to believers in the future, rest in heaven. And then Joshua, that's Moses' successor, could not lead all the people into the rest of the dwelling in their promised land because of their unbelief. Likewise, a believer today cannot fully enjoy a satisfying Christian life unless he believes all the promises of God. Even then, he looks forward to the perfect future rest. And then it says, we must be diligent in our experience to enter the rest into which we have already entered. Let's be diligent. The same Greek word is used in Ephesians 4 through 3. And then the word of God. Here, the meaning is inspired word, the scriptures, the living and active. It has the power to reach into the utmost parts of one's personality and to judge the innermost thoughts, soul, and spirit. The meaning is that the word pierces the depths of the soul and the spirit, not between the two. They stand in the innermost 
facets of our immaterial nature, just as the joints and marrow of the material aspect, both soul and spirit can be involved in what pleases or displeases God. And then on 413, it says, with whom we have to do, better to whom we must give an account. Literally, to whom is our word a play on the Greek term of word. And if our lives conform to the word of God, then our word of the day is of judgment will be acceptable to God. And for more notes, now we're on to 4.15. As it has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Not that Christ experienced every temptation man has, but rather that he was tempted in all areas which man is tempted. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride. And says, and with particular temptations especially suited to him, this testing was possible only because he took the likeness of sinful flesh. That means for us. And for he had there not had been an incarnation, Jesus could not have been tempted. It says, yet our Lord was distinct from all other men in the life he's without sin. He possessed no sin nature as we do. Because he endured and successfully passed his test, he can now offer to us mercy and grace to help in time of need. For he knows what we're going through. And then his grace comes when we come in our time of need and not until then. The qualifications for the high priest, and that will go on to the next chapter, so it will be chapter 5, the superiority of the priesthood of Christ. And uh, Christ is superior in his qualifications, which he is. And um, just believe. And, you know, when I'm, I'm reading that over and over and over again, it's just making me feel like, you know, people that so lightly toss aside Christianity, toss aside our Heavenly Father and what he means to us and um, how can they, how how can they think that you don't come holy to our Lord and God? How can you just ignore what he has given us and the word that he has given us? Don't think about the people that have chosen to use Christianity and the Bible to oppress others. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about your personal relationship with God and Jesus. They've always taken care of you. They've never lied to you. They provide for you. I believe the Holy Spirit even includes the air we breathe. All of it is just for our betterment. And that there's so much that there's so much more than what we just see in the flesh. And there's, you know, the spiritual life is rich and uh, blooming and and just really awesome. And I'm, uh, I don't know. I just want you to know that. Uh, I care what happens to you, and I care what happens to me. So we have to have, like, full diligence just to uh, stick out this this whole experience that we call life. You know, it's not easy here, and we have a lot of temptations, and not many saints are here upon the earth, or maybe they are, and we don't know where they are. But anyway, I know they're praying for us. So uh, it says, uh, you know, I'm reading, uh, I've been reading The Business of Heaven, uh, daily readings from C.S. Lewis. And uh, he is another one. He's a very uh, thinker, and I really admire him, and I hope that you enjoy me reading some of his stuff. And some of us, you know, it seems to be hard to take, and uh, I actually found somebody that didn't like him. So I thought that was a shock. But anyway, I like him, and I'm going to read some of his stuff. So this is taken from the book C.S. Lewis, The Business of Heaven. And I'm on page 138, and I'm talking about, let's see here, the bishop makes up his mind. Happiness, my dear Dick, 
said the ghost placidly. Happiness, as you will come to see when you are older, lies in the path of duty. Which reminds me, bless my soul, I've nearly forgotten. Of course I can't come with you. I have to be back next Friday to read a paper. We have a little theological society down here. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of intellectual life. Not of a very high quality, perhaps, but no one notices a certain lack of grit, a certain confusion of the mind. That is where I can be of some use to them. There are even regrettable jealousies. I don't know why, but the tempers seem to be less controlled than they used to be. Don't you agree, people? I'm telling you on a side. Everybody has a loud mouth and big temper, especially this political arena, and I'm ashamed and I can't hardly believe it. But anyway, let's go back to this. One notices a certain lack of a grip and a certain confusion of the mind. That is where I can be of some use to them. There are even regrettable jealousies. I don't know why, but tempers seem less controlled than they used to be. Still, one mustn't expect too much of human nature. I feel I can do a great work among them. I think this is from his book, uh, Screw Tape Letters. I think that's what this is from. Anyway, okay, but that you never asked me what paper my paper was about. I'm talking to taking the text about growing up with a measure of the stature of Christ, and I'm working out an idea which I feel sure you'll be interested in. I'm going to point out how people always forget that Jesus, and here the whole this, this ghost bowed, was a comparatively young man when he died. He would have outgrown some of the earlier views, you know, if he lived. Okay, this is this happens to be the opposite of truth. So just take this as a, a little lesson here. As he might have done, he had a little more tact and patience. patience. Anyway, I am going to ask my audience to consider what his mature views would have been. A profoundly interesting question. What if a different Christianity we might have had if only the founder had reached his full stature? I shall end up by pointing out of how this deepens the significance of the crucifixion. One feels that for the first time what a disaster that was with a tragic way so so many promise to cut short, so much promise cut short. Oh, must you be going? Well, so I must die. Goodbye. Anyway, the ghost nodded his head and beamed up to the spirit with a light, a bright clerical smile. Anyway, it's uh, the city of God and broad and far, and he is uh, actually tongue-in-cheek, and what he's talking about is that people still make excuses uh, about this, but Jesus and the time was up to God between him and his father and not up to us, and uh, that's, I guess, another excuse for not following him. He always, he died young. He would have changed. No. Jesus is the same. God's the same and always will be, and then, um, okay, now he's talking about the weight of glory. And in the end, that face, which is delight or terror of the universe, must be turned upon us either with one expression or with another, either conferring glory inexpressible or inflicting shame that can never be cured or disguised. I read in a periodical the other day that the fundamental thing is how we think of God, by God himself it is not. How God thinks of us is not only more important, but infinitely more important. Indeed, how we think of him is no importance except and so far as it is related to how he thinks of us, it is written that we shall stand before him and shall appear, shall be inspected. And the promise of the glory is a promise and almost incredible and only possible by the work of Christ, that some of us and that any of us who really chooses shall actually survive the examination, shall be fine approval and shall please God. 
to please God, to be a real ingredient in the divine happiness, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted as an artist delights in his work or a father and a son. It appears impossible a weight and burden of glory which our thoughts can hardly sustain, but so it is. Anyway, I'm going to read one more, and it's called Heaven. We are made for God. Only by being in some respect like him, only by being a manifestation of his beauty, loving kindness, wisdom, and goodness, has any earthly loving kindness and beloved excited by our love. It is not that we love them too much, but that we not quite understand. Okay, I'm sorry. We were made for God. Only by living in some respect, only by being in some respect like him, and only being in a manifestation of his beauty, loving kindness, wisdom, or goodness, has any earthly beloved excited our love. It is not that we have loved them too much, but that we have not quite understood what we are loving. It is not that we shall be asked to turn from them, so dearly familiar to a stranger. When we see the face of God, we shall know that we have always known it. He has been a party to and has been sustained and moved movement by movement within all our earthly experiences of innocent love. All that is true, love in them was, even on earth, far more than his than ours, and ours only because of his. In heaven there would be no anguish and no duty of turning away from our earthly beloveds. First, because we shall be turned already from the portraits to the original, and from the rivulets to the fountain, from the creatures he made lovable to love himself. But secondly, because we shall find them all in him, by loving him more than them, we shall love them more than we do now. Wow. Anyway, let's look forward to heaven together. And it's been wonderful being with you here this morning. And uh, when you're listening in archives, I really appreciate it. And I have my blessings and prayers to you also. In closing, why don't we say the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. And in closing, may God bless and keep you in his loving arms that you may have the strength to face whatever is ahead. Remember, you're never alone. God loves you so much. And maybe your best dreams come true and true love live in your heart. Take care, everybody. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Love you. Bye-bye.